Hello everyone, it's Aaron here from DIY Cinema Cult, I'm uh, off to meet Mark, uh, fulfilling our, our specific remit of being able to meet one person outside, um, and uh, we thought we'd make it a little bit of a different sort of podcast because it's been such a different kind of Christmas uh, that instead of uh, being separated in our sheds we take advantage of the freedom to meet one other person and we would, rather than being static, we would go on a bit of a stroll. We don't know where this will end up. might be that it... Uh, ends up going to a, a hiding to nowhere or it might end up somewhere interesting bloody hell it's bloody hell it's cold so cold uh, just waiting on I'm, I'm at the clock tower now said I'd whip me Aaron here it's uh, suitably bleak the weather and I'm meeting him at the clock tower. I feel like I'm in the third man or something. I'm gonna just wait by this little doorway and wait for him to show up. I can see him now, there he is, he's waving at me. We're gonna be taking you through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> Look at yourselves, they're realistically here. Nobody's gonna give you that money. Nobody. You don't know who the fuck you are. It's a complete risk. You are unknown. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. For now, you're just some pair of idiots like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so you just go into it. I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. We should probably explain what's going on, yeah. shouldn't we? So we kind of thought, because it's the end of year in some way, that it might be fun to take advantage, first of all, of the fact that we yeah. can meet one other person. So yeah, so here we're we doing are. that. Um, but we thought we'd turn it into an opportunity to do a podcast yeah. as well. So we're all kind of on our remote recorder and we are all plugged in, headphones in. Headphones Your in. headphones cable is... Two, two meters. It's definitely just, just enough for it to be plugged into me without yeah. actually physically touching me. It's definitely two meters, two meters long. So basically, we're walking the streets in. Um, uh, in that, this is basically all that you, you can do. So we thought we'd turn it into something worth doing, didn't we? We thought yeah. let's go for a stroll and maybe talk about the year that's just in, gone. In lovely wintry uh, crouch end. It's pretty, winter. pretty frosty. I have yeah. to say, there's kind of mist uh, off in, in the distance and threats of snow, uh, apparently. And um, yeah. it feels the most kind of wintry out of all of the days so far over this whole Christmas stretch. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. But our first mission is yeah. to find a place to kind of turn into an impromptu bar because it wouldn't be a uh, proper podcast if we didn't have ourselves no. fully stocked with a, a gin cocktail of some description or another would it well we could make i mean we could either we could either pause here outside the closed down library <laughs> uh, 
in I, true degenerate <laughs> style, standing outside uh, the or, library. Or, or we could go to like because we're not really in the park at the moment, are we? We're not we're in the park. Around the well, maybe this is sort of suitably sort of bleak to top ourselves up with a drink. Just yeah, come on, let's. And then and then we'll walk and and and, we'll and get and on talk. with it, shall we? I've got I've got some mince pies for later. Oh my god, it's you're so Christmassy. I'm feeling a bit Christmassy, and. Um, uh, one of my Christmas presents. I think I don't know what, it, what your sort of presents were oh, this nice. year. Yeah, but uh, basically Yours mostly gin-based. Generally gin-based. <laughs> um, so you know, uh, there was a couple of gadgets that I kind of bought myself. Yeah. Uh, and then generally, uh, it, the rest of them were sort of relatively gin-based. <laughs> so so uh, for our listeners, I've got um, some options of flavoured gin here. Very so nice. um, Very little nice. little miniatures. And uh, I have managed to bring um, a cup, so we're not sharing, which obviously wouldn't oh really. God, you're so prepared. I was so unprepared. I was going to just buy some cans from the uh, off license. Well, you'd be lucky if anything's open. I suppose you oh, can't yeah, get true, yeah. you can get takeaways, can't you? Um, so here we go. So here's our cup. We may have to kneel to do this. I just feel yeah. I've got to get my glove on because it's so fucking cold. So should we start on? The uh, elderflower gin. Yep, yep, let's do that. Like the sound of that. Okay, so we've got four miniatures to get through. Um, so let's see how far <laughs> this gets us. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Lovely. Oh, oh there, probably that, overdid that. that. Yeah, I'll, you, I'll pour it all in there, and you and can then, then yeah, you yeah. Can square it up there. I'm and then I got a little bit of a tonic. Well, we've ended up the year looking like a couple of old street drunks. <laughs> I'm pouring a bit of gin into yours. <laughs> In a way, it's 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 uh, it's kind of makes sense because we started not as street junks, but as just sort of drunks in a shed. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, let's let's talk about go. that because it's like how at the start of the year we started our podcast thinking, where are we going to be at the yeah at the end of the year in the year's time, and and it turns out you know we had no idea at the time that. There was going to be this mad global pandemic about to smack us up. Yeah, I need to stand on your right, don't I? I think yeah, that's yeah. the rule. Hang on, I'm going to do that. And then uh, do yeah. It. Well, I seem to remember we had conversations about uh, going to Cannes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the optimism. We were going to go to the Cannes Film ago. Festival a year ago, I mm -hmm. think. And. Um, <laughs> We, uh, we were going to go up to Edinburgh. We were, we were looking to go up to Edinburgh Festival, Fringe yep. Festival, to look at some, you know, maybe some acting talent for routine. Yeah, that's right. We had all these lovely, lovely plans. We had uh, a lot. Of, we had a lot of uh, plans. We obviously were hoping that by now we'd be well underway with um, yeah. the uh, production of routine. Yeah. And that was kind of the original idea for the podcast, wasn't it? Was yeah. Let's film. Uh, well, let's get this film made, but yeah. in the process, let's document us trying to do it. Um, but has, have we really stuck to those original concept, may, that original concept? Maybe not, but what I actually really like is that, you know, best laid plans of mice and men and everything. Yeah. You know, our plans have kind of um, faltered and changed along the way. And I suppose this podcast has kind of documented that in a way. Yeah. You know, you know, routine was this film that we thought we would be able to get underway and and funded, and and as it turns out, we might we might have had to change tack a little bit in order to get that film made a bit further down the road, possibly. 
Yeah. Um, maybe there's things we need to do first. So. Well, um, we, we've also kind of, we did sort of change tact a little bit, thinking that maybe even before the pandemic hit, maybe we weren't adhering to um, fully DIY principles in some yeah. way and that we needed to potentially work on a different project. Yes. Such as the old man that we talked about. But even that, we've kind of started to decide that perhaps that's not even fully DIY enough. That no. It's, and particularly with all of these uh, restrictions that, the, that we find ourselves in, you know, how stripped back can we go to make something? Yeah, that's it. I mean... That's why that's why I kind of suggested this other this other script only because it is something that we could do completely stripped back. Yeah, uh, literally stripped naked. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of film is this? I haven't seen the fully revised script yet. Slightly concerned. Yeah. No. Well, the thing is, I was well on my way to having it finished, and then, then you and me both got whacked with a crazy kind of work schedule. Yeah, pre-Christmas. Uh, as in work schedule for, you know, work we have to do yeah, to pay projects. our rent and feed yeah. our kids and stuff. Um, and it just kind of got put on hold with everything else, but I'm hoping to pick it up now. Now we kind of, now we kind of, you know, got all that stuff out of, out of the way. But yeah, I don't know, it's funny this, in a way, what I kind of think actually, I think, because what I do like about this year is that we have started off this podcast and I think that's something to look back on and be quite thankful of and and feel quite proud of because we've kind of got this podcast started up from nothing yeah and we haven't shaken the world up by any means or anything yet but you know looking at our it's numbers and looking at our you know the people listening and uh you know just funny things like Russia suddenly you've got we've got some people in Russia um, it was it was suddenly listening now, which is weird because wow. we've never had any listeners in Russia before. But just people listening to our nonsense in far off different countries we've never been to. Yeah. I don't know, it kind of tickles me. And I, and I also think that, you know, maybe, you know, the listeners that are going to, you know, I think listeners will come to this podcast more once we've got a film made because it'll be a way to kind of go back and listen to how the hell we actually pulled it off or or get a bit of background information on the film once it's out and once it's released. You know, I think once we've got stuff in either in the works close to being completed or completed, that's when people will start to suddenly kind of latch on to this uh, podcast. But you know, I think you're right that in a, in a sense, the original ambition of the podcast was, uh, has been sort of changed direction. Yeah. And in a way, the, the, the new direction of it is itself in some ways that's not yeah. to say we're not going to make uh, a film and uh, a film that kind of will adhere to diy principles because because of course that's that's our aim but yeah the podcast itself has sort of become a thing in itself hasn't yeah it? yeah it has and i think also as well like we were kind of not like you say not adhering maybe completely to DIY principles right at the start. Yeah. Um, should, we, should we do a right down here? Yeah. We should just say to our listeners who obviously can't, who have no idea where we are, our, our aim is to sort of, um, was to sort of embrace the environment a little bit, isn't it? We're yeah. going to kind of just wander. We thought we'd follow our nose in a... In a uh, We're going to amble around. Amble, amble and, and just find <laughs> some places to sit and uh, see where we end up and uh, see what stories it might provoke in us and uh, yeah. adventures. Um, so, yeah, and so I think maybe we've been taught a couple of DIY lessons in the fact that, you know, maybe we started out on a certain track, realised that... 
the difficulties and maybe the uh, maybe we should be you know I think maybe at the start with the routine maybe we weren't thinking in a complete DIY yeah. uh, mode and we've started through talking to people through chatting to some of the kind of lovely uh, you know lovely filmmakers we have done yeah we've who've had got some. their own projects off the go by the way Prano Bailey Paley Bond has nearly finished their sensor I think she has completed it now well it, I mean I've I was going to say it would be worth us worth us talking about some of the contributors to the show because obviously uh, the projects that they've all been working on have, have been have been moving along and um, uh, I did notice indeed that um, Prano Bailey Bond has uh, finished picture lock and uh, grade on her film and has been accepted into Sundance. Fantastic, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? So, I mean, well I'm done, so... Prano. Yeah, well done to Prano. That's a fantastic uh, achievement. Hopefully, Sundance can be in real per in real life because yeah. obviously that would be pretty amazing. But if, even if not, it's probably one of the best um, uh, shot fronts for an indie film that you could hope for, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, well done, Prano. And... Excellent. It'd be stuff. lovely to maybe have her back on and chat off, chat about some of her experiences. She's about to no, no doubt have. Yeah. With sensor. I uh, mean, it's incredible. I, I saw just a couple of frames of it uh, that she posted, mm. and uh, it, it looks, you know, very much in her style, a sort of very beautifully shot uh, horror kind of uh, flavour. And um, I'm, I'm just, well, I'm sort of quite proud in a way that we got her on yeah. at the, an early stage and that things seem to be uh, developing so well. <laughs> Just saw, saw somebody we know, and a yeah. friend of ours' daughter. Oh. Um, uh, our neighbour, our neighbourhood, eh? Our neighbourhood. <laughs> we're, we're in the hood, aren't we? Today, we are in the hood. we're in the hood. Uh, so, somebody else who I've actually stayed pretty regularly in contact with um, uh, is David Cecil, who um, oh yeah, obviously had been working on his uh, his said, film uh, uh, Imperial before, before, Blue. Before you mention David Cecil, I must mm. point out we are crossing over Sean's Road. Sean oh, the yeah. Dead, oh, we? okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're going... That's Sean's house, and then this is where he walked across and got the... Uh, so, yeah, so, we're, we're, so, yeah, our listeners should know that we're currently in, effectively, the set of Shaun of the Dead, <laughs> which, although it wasn't a DIY film entirely, it had a sort of aesthetic of a kind of, you know, punky, let's just yeah. get something made in our neighbourhood, because they, they all used to live around here, of course. They did, um, yeah. And uh, we used to see them in the, in the pub, him and... Um, him and uh, Nick Frost fairly regularly. And did I ever tell you the story about our mutual friend, Steve? Steve, yeah, my old flatmate who- Your uh, old flatmate who- saw, saw them in the pub while they were shooting Sean on the Dead and went up to them and said, oh, I love Spaced. Yeah. I love you guys in Spaced. Space. And he says, what, uh, what are you up to now? And yeah. one of them said, uh, oh, we're doing like a, a uh, you know, like a film, like Zom a, a- Zombie rom-com. A zombie rom-com. Yeah. And Steve had a couple of drinks in him by that stage. Yeah, and just and went, the rest. And the rest, yeah. And just went there. Uh, nah, I don't see it. <laughs> and they just walked off. 
And he forever kicks himself because didn't yeah. they say shortly before he said that? Didn't they say what's the name of the, the, so, the, uh, the Jessica? Actress? Jessica's on her way. Yeah, Jessica's on yeah. his way. So we could have we could have been friends with uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Jessica from uh, from Space, which is a film that we a TV program that we all loved, and they just finished uh, Shaun of the Dead, but. Um, Steve decided uh, it was not going to be a Steve, our mutual friend, and once was sort of my manager in my music yeah. career, he kind of blew that for us by yeah. uh, damning uh, what was obviously a massive winner to uh, the dustbin before he yeah. even realised he it. He just but, slammed Shaun of the Dead before yeah. he even saw the light of day. Oh, well, but anyway, so we've just walked through pretty much the road and yeah. where uh, all of it was, was set, past um, the... Uh, News agent where Nelson, the the, the uh, that's right. news agent owner, sort of uh, is. So uh, so this was once zombie zombie land. Basically like Hollywood for us, isn't it? Walking <laughs> around here, it's basically Hollywood. So I was talking oh, about David, sorry, Cecil. David Cecil. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, on. no. I just thought I'd um, kind of it's, it's it's been interesting hearing kind of his uh, updates, and I've been in touch with him about another project, which actually I'll probably mention at some point. Yeah, but. Um, He's, uh, he's, his film, Imperial Blue, is now about to become uh, out in the world. So they've finished right. and it is um, being released. And Excellent. he's still Excellent. in that strange netherworld of not quite being sure how much of a um, exclusive kind of situation they'll be in. And yeah. when, it, when I talked to him recently, he said that what they're, what they're waiting on is yeah. to find out if the likes of someone like Movie or Hulu, oh yeah, or um, or Amazon or the likes would take it on as a kind of an exclusive. Yeah, and what they t- well, apparently the way it works, because obviously everything's gone streaming. The world is kind of pretty much 100% streaming now. Cinemas just have, haven't been open for the past nine yeah. months, particularly. He said that that what they're hoping on is that you get some sort of exclusivity deal, and yeah. that, um, one of the big streamers will will. Um, profile you and there's potentially actually some money in that so that they would yeah uh, they would have exclusivity for 12 weeks eight weeks or six mm-hmm. weeks or, or the likes they would give you some money um, and they would um, market it strongly so it would be yeah. in all of the emails that go out for the likes of Hulu or Mubi or whatever nice. um, so he's waiting on to see how that would go so again I hopefully we can get him back on the show to tell us you know what it's like to actually release uh, a film because obviously um prano's not quite released he's about to do the festivals but mm. david um, and uh, his partner dan who is the director yeah uh, they're about to actually get the film out there in the world in oh this God. strange environment that we're we're currently in now listeners just wandering around the wandering about we don't yeah. really know where we are no but the gin's going. quite going down quite well it's very not i like that one it's all right yeah, isn't it it's sort of flavors you know 
Um, so, and then who else have we had on? Have we had any updates from any of our other? Have you heard anything of... Um, uh, Mark, Mark A.C. Brown Mark had on. Mark A.C. Brown, yeah. He, well, he shot his... He actually shot his film in, in lockdown, didn't he? Ah, he right. shot uh, uh, Dead on the Vine, it's called. Dead on the Vine, and yes. From what I hear, I mean, obviously, it's what, the only thing I've seen is on Instagram or, you know, social media. Yeah. And I think, he, I think he, too, has kind of locked a picture now. Right. He's called close to doing so. She's been editing it in... in the recent months and so yeah i don't know what the what is to what you know i can't wait to see it actually so um, what, do we know film. anything about the film and it sort of sounds kind I of be- in the comedy sort yeah, of I believe, horror type thing or? yeah i believe it was all they had this fantastic location that they could kind of just film in which was like a vineyard right uh in england and it was seemed to be like a Fantastic uh, location. Yeah. That they could just have the runoff. Oh wow. Which is really helpful. So I think he pretty much wrote a script for the location. Okay, which is sort um, of one of his DIY yeah. principles, which he's, he talked quite a lot about, didn't he? Um, so he's gone and done it again. So I can't wait to see see what he comes up with there. Yeah. What I'd like to see happen in the new years, to fairly soon, fairly shortly, within the first couple of months of the year is to see us shooting something. It just feels like when we when I started looking for locations for old old man, people just seemed very nervous and scared about yeah. having people come to their what have you, what it was. I mean, like we were looking for like a caravan site or yeah. for that particular storyline. But um, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice just to kind of get ourselves working on something, a DIY project. And in, in, in a sense, you know, these conditions this time, forces you to be even more DIY than possibly you might yeah you might be you are listening to the debut feature film podcast this is DIY Cinema Cult we'll have to find another spot to uh, have, a, yeah. have another oh, there's a good there's a good church down there <laughs> <laughs> graveyard <laughs> I feel like we're in a Pogue song with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went down to the graveyard. Oh, I saw that. Um, I saw the, uh, the the Julian Temple film. <gasps> How did you see it? It's on. You can. I rented it on YouTube. You rented it on YouTube. I've I've got into because I don't really have Apple TV or yeah. or anything like that. But you can rent films on YouTube. Yeah, and it's pretty good. And I've done that quite a few times recently right and it just popped up on youtube it's oh. on youtube so you just go to youtube if you've got it like uh, i do it on like my ipad and then i can i chromecast it to my tv yeah oh. it's fucking brilliant i mean it's it's there's a couple of things that are very off-putting about it first of all you kind of need to watch it with subtitles on because shane mcgowan is well there was a kind of bit of controversy about that wasn't there whether it should have subtitles yeah. on or not uh, i mean it doesn't i mean the copy that i saw doesn't have them natively but it's you can i obviously i just selected to have them on because i couldn't understand a word you were saying secondly johnny depp is it pops up in it a couple times obviously he's producing the film yeah right yeah um in a very very strange accent his accent changes because obviously he's one of these people that is uh uh without putting too fine a pot on i think he's very much kind of into shane mcgowan likes him very much yeah yeah but slightly bit up his bum maybe sick of yeah yeah uh, and so what he what he does is basically 
when it starts, he's, his, base, his, his accent is, is fluctuating to kind of complement Shane McGowan and kind of be... Oh, right. So he's kind of, he's trying to do an Irish accent. It doesn't quite come off. So when he first starts, when you first hear him speak, he sounds exactly like, uh, it's like a classic Ringo from the Beatles impersonation. Oh, no. Then it kind of sways into Southern Irish, um, but in a very weird, affected way. Uh, so that's very off-putting, but luckily he isn't actually in it too much. He's just he just pops up a couple of a couple of points. Because uh, he was he's a sort of producer of it. He's right? the producer of it, and I think he just he loves Shane McGowan, and they seem to be. I, I get the impression that Shane McGowan's quite flattered to have Johnny Depp as one of his right, big yeah, fans, yeah. so he loves him. So they just love each other basically. There's a bit of a circle jerk. Going yeah, on. a bit of a circle jerk going on. Um, but, but what about as a film? Because obviously I'm a big, yeah. massive fan of Julian Temple as a documentary it's, maker, and he's he's probably to me made the best rock and roll documentaries and music-based yeah. documentaries of the past thirty odd years. You know, his incredible use of archive, and yeah. he seems to have a great way of kind of avoiding having a straight talking head, and yes. there's an amazing sense of a sort of of a, of a kind of a tumbling world that you fall into. You know, I mean, the, you know the Filth and the Fury, the Sex Pistols documentary is by far one of my favourites. But so what, what's yeah. the what's the? It's very it's very much style. like yeah, it's very much like that. It's exactly what you expect, and and he's great subject matter, yeah. Shane McGowan, because it's his story just isn't straightforward. It's yeah, lot, you know, you get the impression that a lot of it is uh, good storytelling, blarney, blarney, and made up bullshit, and some yeah. of it's true, and some of it's complete fabrication. And, yeah. Uh, but you kind of, but you kind of go, once you kind of accept that and just go get into it, uh, it's just brilliant fun. Right. And this Shane McGowan is just, is just a fantastic character who seemed to be at the forefront, quite literally at the forefront of punk from the very get-go. Well, it's certainly he was literally in the front him, yeah. rows. Yeah, he was just he was, yeah. he was basically he became one of the kind of main punk kids yeah. simply because he was at the front of every gig that was going and he just looked absolutely fucking mental. He yeah. had his kind of teeth knocked out and he had like, a, he, he was always the craziest looking and... He, he's, uh, there's lots of quite famous footage of him, of him, you know, right at the front of the pogo in the middle of the marquee club. Yeah in uh, 1976 with the Pistols. Yeah. Uh, obviously in another Julian Temple documentary, you know, as just mentioned, The Filth and the Fury. Yes. He's kind of, he's like an ever-present sort of figure. And um, and there's another interesting little uh, uh, link in the, the, the friend we were just mentioning earlier, Steve. <laughs> um, bumped into him in Thailand. Bumped into him in Thailand. And uh, said that he uh, was, had always a pint of Baileys. On the go. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> pint of Bailey's. A pint of Bailey's. Hence the lack of teeth. Um, oh, good but, god! Uh, he said he's got the dirtiest laugh you've ever known. There's a little, there's yeah. a little film well, set down there. Steve, I mean, some, I think someone should do a documentary about bloody Steve Vincent one of these days. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, it doesn't surprise me that Steve kind of bumped into him and had a night yeah. on the piss with him. Yeah, I think they spent a couple of days sort of. Uh, Basically buying him drinks in a in a pretty filthy uh, bar somewhere in Thailand, and Amazing. you can you can probably imagine the rest. But um, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing that because I'm uh, it's obviously very a big, very good. Yeah, big Julian really Temple good. fan, and there's something about his treatment of um, 
classic kind of rock stories that he does so brilliantly. And yeah. it's, it's all been a bit of an influence on my style and approach to uh, my yeah. my free party film. Of course, how's yours going, by the way? Is it? Uh, it's it's okay. I I've uh, well similar to the sort of lack of work that's been done on the um, on our film that uh, somehow pre-Christmas there was just so much kind of paid and commissioned film work that yeah. um, I couldn't really spend any specific time on it. So I've almost been waiting for a lockdown to stop the uh, yeah. onslaught. But, yeah, yeah. you know, considering how, like yourself, how uncertain things were, you just say yes to everything, don't you? Uh, absolutely, um, yeah. But I'm desperate to um, get back into it again. There's, there's, um, there's been some interesting developments which... Um, I can't completely confirm as yet, but yeah. I had a uh, an email from somebody from a very large uh, social media slash um, crowdfunding organisation, yeah. which will remain nameless for the time being, uh, suggesting that I put the film forward for a specific um, fund and within a specific festival in Barcelona, interestingly. Yeah. Uh, and gave me the impression, at least, that I was a dead cert on it. Right, right. And it's an interesting one because what it would mean, and fingers crossed it comes out, but what it would mean wouldn't be traditional funding. What it would mean would be training in uh, how to launch a very effective um, crowdfunding campaign. Okay. And not just training, but... Um, heroing your project yeah. uh, on this particular platform and that would obviously have the effect of drawing your audience beyond the um, the core organic audience into an, to new audiences because yeah. we all know that you can put your stuff on Vimeo or it can end up on um, wherever, you know, various platforms, Kickstarter yeah, and yeah. Indiegogo and all of this and effectively the 40 people who fund that project are um your parents your friends and whoever's mm. kind of vaguely interested in 10 percent of your facebook uh profile or instagram yeah. so you know the, beyond that it's extremely unlikely that you're going to stumble across any new audience members but yeah. what this training is is there to do is to headline you yeah. um so that you know it would be the equivalent of should we take a seat on this bench it would be the equivalent of um film of the week project of the week Ah. etc so it's encouraging because i think i've been very tempted to run a crowdfunder but i wanted to get my timings right because first of all you know people aren't made of money at the moment so i want it to be something that's sort of a goer at the right time that's the right kind of thing but you also don't want it to disappear without a trace and uh, yeah, I'm hoping totally. that with the backing of somebody like that, that it would have more of a chance of a sort of um, substantial yeah. bit of funding rather than uh, just just your mum and your mates.
So we're, we're now in the middle of um, a 12th century churchyard, actually. I know this is 12th century because I came past here with my kids the other day and found out that this is we're, it's 12th century. Oh. So it's a perfect place to me to drink gin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are we feeling? So there is the orange marmalade Welsh gin. Oh, I like the sound of orange I marmalade. I quite like the sound of that. I've been banging into my marmalade recently. I love a marmalade. Yeah, I love a marmalade. It's, I don't know what it is. I, I, it's sort of, um, my kids don't like it, but... Um, is it we're getting old? Because marmalade, I always think... comforting. It reminds me of my dad, my granddad used yeah. to eat marmalade and have a cup of tea on a Sunday it's morning. A, it's a slice of toast and a bit of marmalade is, um, yeah. there's something perfect about it. Oh, lovely. So I had, um, so Chewing Gum Man was on TV the other night. I haven't, oh, haven't chatted about that yet. So I that was, was so proud. It was lovely to see it. Um, it was lovely to see it, but I think I, I think I also say, said to you as well, it was kind of terrifying in the sense that, you know, suddenly, you know, Chewing Gum Man was, was a um, DIY experiment, shall we say, yeah. in how much can you get away with completely doing it on your own? Yeah. And I didn't do it 100% on my own, obviously. We, you know, I hired like Amanda to do a, to do a day shooting. And but I mean, it was as, as one man band as a project as you could yeah, imagine, and really. obviously someone to do the music. But other than that, it was kind of, it was just like a self-shooting exercise in yeah. making a little mini doc. And so, but then when, and you never, you never really think, oh, well, then that's going to get on telly or it'll be broadcast or what have you. So when it finally does, you suddenly go, oh God, I didn't actually really think it was going to go. It was on telly telly. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't really think telly telly. I thought it might have been online or at festivals yeah. or whatever you say. And you just become hyper aware that, you know, obviously the thing about making things DIY, you don't have broadcast quality monitors to check your picture or, or yeah. you, don't have a, you, you don't have a brilliant kind of audio system, you know, edit suite to check your audio mix. and. Yeah. So everything was kind of done uh, through headphones in my bedroom. Uh, and just when it was on TV, that's, that was the time I really went, ah, oh, I could have just, if I just done a bit more here and done a bit more there, and you obviously have that anxiety of seeing your stuff on TV. Um, so what was it, what were the main concerns when you saw, because obviously you've seen it on a, a screen numerous times, but yeah. when it's suddenly next to the adverts. Yes. What was it that jumped out at you that was uh, sort of wasn't to the standard you you would no, wish? First thing I immediately noticed was my mix was quite low, like the sound, the, sound the audio mix. level just seemed quite low. Yeah. Um, but is there not standards that? Well, uh, the, well, what I'm worried, what I think might have happened is, you know, because I remember when I used to work at the, at the, like in TV companies like the BBC or what have you. Whenever you make a bit of VT or you make some graphics, it goes to be tested, you know, and you get legalized. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's obviously legal limits that certain things, luminance and, and, and your picture uh, levels can be. So if it felt like, because I wasn't able to test that broadcast quality, it probably went through some limiter straight for this picture for starters, but also maybe audio did as well. Yeah. And it just got clipped. You know, they're not going to go back to me and say, I think the only reason they possibly would have come back to me if my edit was a bit rapid if I had lots of kind of one frame edits and stuff they would have gone can we snip that bit out yeah but I think because they're buying up so much programs yeah. and from left right and center I think they honestly just in case of mine they just put it through a limiter and they just legalize it and then they could be broadcast and I think and I did notice you know the 
blacks were way more crushed. You know, the, it was a touch darker. And I'd given it quite a dark, not a dark grade, but I'd made it quite punchy and the blacks were quite black. Yeah. So, and I could just tell it had been tweaked that little bit extra. Almost so what, they shoved too it much. through some extra grading? They shoved it through, they squeezed it through some little kind of, yeah, grader or yeah. something to get it legal. And, and the audio mix, I don't know, maybe it's because I was just listening through headphones and yeah. thought it sounded fine when it was going through my headphones and nice and loud, but obviously squeezed through a broadcaster than that through your TV. And my TV's a bit shit as well, so that's another thing. Yeah. Everyone's TV is different. Yeah, yeah. So you never really get it the way you see it when you're cutting it or when you're kind of making it or, or, or mastering it yourself. Yeah. Well, it's, it's um, I mean, I haven't had any uh, stuff of mine on broadcast cheers by the way TV. cheers yeah cheers I, th I thought I'd, we'd uh, adorn the um, yeah. drink with a little mince pie Ooh. as well we've got we've got Lovely. a couple of those to get through well I think what you taught me about obviously we're talking about things we learn DIY mm. along the way was the thing it taught me about DIY filmmaking is DIY doesn't mean solitary mm. you, you're not don't do things on your own it's about building up a crew of people that you can work with, that you all kind of have the same mindset because you still need those expertises. It's great to try things out. I think, in, in a way, Chewing Gum Man was a tryout film for me. I was like, you know what? I'd love to do my own audio mix. Mm. <laughs> I'd love to grade my own documentary. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it was a lovely experience, but... You know, if I had known at the start it was going to be on Sky TV, I probably would have given it to somebody else to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plain and simple. So, but uh, you had, but you did well on the numbers. Yeah. Oh, that was the thing. Yeah. So the next day, um, my friend Steve calls up Steve Houghton. He's a producer and editor uh, at the BBC, and he has access to the overnight numbers of you know oh. people's viewing figures and what have you. So he just texted me and he said, um, so do you want to know what your numbers were for last night? And I was like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we, let me see if I can remember now, we, um, our average figures was, was 17,000 people watched. Mm -hmm. That was the average. But what he said was quite incredible about it was that we started, when the program started, we were 10,000 people viewing. And by the end of it, it was 21,000 people. Oh, viewing. I love it. So that was great. So, so that's people telling their mates, oh, you've got to turn on the telly now. This yeah, is a brilliant yeah. programme. So that was fantastic. And what I, what I was really pleased with as well was because we were, we were kind of like the support film for a feature-length doc about uh, Cold War Steve, who's like a Birmingham uh, artist. He works a lot in collage. Hmm. And we, got, we kind of got loads more viewers than his. And oh. we, was, we were like the support film for him. Not to gloat over uh, Cold War Steve or anything, but I was expecting <laughs> us to do way worse than him. Um, but so I, that I was really, really chuffed about. Yeah. It's the closest, I think, that um, TV can get to, uh, like, being in a, in a band or something, isn't yeah. it? Where you can find out what the numbers are. Yeah. And you get your ratings or whatever. Because uh, we talked about it before, that there's something quite depressing about you spend all this time working on something and then you hit a button and it's just uploaded somewhere and then it's yeah. watched. And there's no real way to get a sense of what the audience will be experiencing in any way. Or obviously if you're in a band, you get to you know, make a racket and people in front of you respond to it by mm. telling you you're shit or they're jumping up and down yeah. going mental or something in between. Um, and uh, I'm always sort of in some ways sort of relating film back to that experience you know we've talked about film festivals are 
a kind of um, a great because you get to hear the reaction of the audience, right? So you, particularly, you talked about it with your your film, We Are What We Drink, and you know, comedy yeah. and getting people laughing at the right moments, and that. But but for for sort of the televisual experience, all that you really have is, um, well, maybe you get some reviews, mm. maybe you get some likes on YouTube. Yeah. Maybe get some comments, or in your case, at least you've got some numbers. Yeah, <laughs> we got some good numbers. <laughs> and I think you get like a percentage. You get your percentage of the viewing uh, uh, public for that night or that point in time. Yeah. So for that point in time, for the whole of Britain, we got something quite depressing. But obviously, I quite like to see it. It was like point zero zero one percent of the viewing public was yeah. watching Chewing Gum Man. Oh, I'll take that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the that's where the, the stuff of dreams are built from, Mark. Yeah, it's not bad for a little DIY film that, you know, was just done in my bedroom. It's fine. Yeah. So, so set the scene for our audience here. I feel like we're kind of in a bit of a film set at the moment. We, yeah, we are pretty much, without dressing it up too much, we are pretty much in the in the graveyard of a of a church. Yep. It's Christmas time, ish. We're on the tail end of Christmas time. We're in the perineum of Christmas. The perineum yep. of the year. You know, it's nice. You know, what what is Christmas without sitting, drinking in a in a graveyard? <laughs> I mean, it's it's actually a very Christmassy thing to do. It's in all the movies. Well, this is true. Usually, these are, this is the point where you meet some sort of down-and-out Santa kind of character. <laughs> yeah. And, it's very uh, Home Alone there, too. Yeah, and, you know, the down-and-out Santa, he's got a pretty amazing story. He used to be, you know, well, he was real Santa, but now he's a kind of um, down-and-out, um, and he's kind of... Um, he's trying to ponce your gin off you. Yeah. And... Um, but then he takes you on a magical adventure somewhere. Magical adventure, and you never look at old drunk men in churchyards the same ever again. It quite such, kind of opens your eyes to yeah, them. to the potential that perhaps they are. They might be a recording a up. podcast. You know? They might be recording a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, or they may be a down and out Santa about it to take you on a magical adventure, <laughs> or both. Which is what we are today. Which down and out are. Santa's I, I taking you on a magical adventure. I think. I think we could. We are the kind of guys who could just disappear on a magical adventure any minute. <laughs> um, how's this, this the variation nice of gin? This was the marmalade one, right? Ooh. Mm. Very sweet, um, mm. very kind of orangey. Yeah. It's pretty delicious. Basically, from here on in, we've got no tonics, so it's Ooh, uh, neat. It is. Oh, neat. yeah. <laughs> Definitely magical adventure going on in the graveyard. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Shane McGowan and his pint of Baileys. Yeah. It does actually sound quite nice, actually. Mm, yeah. I've been getting into uh, coffee with Baileys for the milk. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. That was my Christmas morning drink. Nice, yeah, it's proper... Um, one actually on Boxing Day morning as well, and, yeah. and the other day as well. Oh, and I did my... It's become a bit of my tradition, uh, recent Christmas tradition, which is my Boxing Day cry. Oh, did you ever cry I had another time? cry. I had another cry on Boxing Day. <laughs> did you try and cry? Because we talked about the story no. of you crying, and I thought... 
It was um, <laughs> it was it was fantastic. Was you, have we told the story of the, no, of the original Boxing Day? No. Quote? So just for our viewers, uh, so maybe two Christmases ago, it was Christmas Day. Uh, you know, me and Debbie had a lovely time Christmas Day. My partner Debbie, and then she had to work Boxing Day. She was out on a on a shoot or something, yeah, wasn't she? She went, and it was before we had our little baby, and I did have my boys with me, so she was off. She was off working. I um, was uh, completely home alone uh, on Boxing Day uh, with just nothing but like a fridge full of leftover Christmas dinner and lots and lots of booze. Perfect. And so I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to spend the day really constructive. I'm going to go and, you know, watch lots of movies and, and just chill out and have maybe a little little whiskey maybe and just yeah. have a relax. I love the way that that's considered a productive start <laughs> <Yeah>. to the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, and what happened was I sat down in front of the TV and they had the making of uh, Mary Poppins on. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just watch a bit of this. And then after it, they had Saving Mr. Banks, right. uh, the film about their making, yeah, uh, yeah. the Mary Poppins film. And um, so I kind of just sat there and I had a couple of whiskeys and then a couple more. And then I might have had Bailey's. And then I thought, oh, well, actually, I was running out of most stuff. But then I thought, oh, they've got some port left over that we yeah. had, you know, for cheese. Keep, just so keep going, keep kept going. going. and kept going. And I ended up getting so absorbed into Saving Mr. Banks. I watched the whole movie. And right up until Debbie came home from work, and I was just in blobs of tears on my sofa, <laughs> streaming down my face, just having the best cathartic Boxing Day cry. <laughs> A kind of melancholic <laughs> sob. Happiness, delirium, yeah. drunkenness, and a kind of, a, and then a sorrow somewhere because all mixed I, together. I think I think there's nothing better than a Boxing Day cry because you know, of course, I might shed a little tear at emotional parts in movies during the year. Yeah. But that's within the context of, oh, I've got to go to work tomorrow, or I've got to mm. bath the baby, or I've got to do something, I've got to cook dinner, and. But when you're watching, when you're watching an emotional <laughs> film on Boxing Day, yeah. and you're drinking fairly heavily, yeah. and you've got nothing other. You've got nothing else to think about, there's to just, worry about. There's you no, can just there's, let go. There's no, I love the idea of this just... The floodgates have been open since the start. Yeah. So you're about, you're setting yourself into a kind of reverie. Yeah. Uh, and getting ready for whatever's about to hit you. Yeah. And, enjoy, and enjoying the whole process, no matter what. Yeah. So Boxing Day, this, got this one gone. I was at home with Debbie and the baby. But the baby went to sleep. Mm. Me and Debbie had a little drink. I had a couple of whiskeys and we watched Forrest Gump. Oh, it's another Tom, it's Tom Hanks, that bastard. He does it to me every time. That bastard, Tom and Hanks. And I hadn't seen Forrest Gump since it came out, like in 1991 yeah. or whatever it was. So I was a bit like, I don't even really know what happens in this film. Yeah. I couldn't really think about it. I can't really remember. Anyway, so I watched it and it was very kind of uh, plucking at your heartstrings. Mm. And, but I, and I knew it was doing it, and I thought, I oh, just fuck it, I'm gonna let it do it to me anyway. And because it was my Boxing Day cry, my annual cry, I thought, I'm just gonna be, yeah, just bring it on. And yeah, it happened when the bit where, I don't know if you can remember, he finds out he has a son. Yeah. And uh, there's just that bit where it's brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliantly done, but he goes, because it makes, makes you realize that Forrest Gump is completely self uh, aware, like he knows he's not very bright and everything. Yeah. And he asks the, the, the actress he plays is, is this love of his life. She goes, it's your son. And Tom Hanks goes, um, is he clever or is he? <laughs> and he kind of gestures towards himself. And as he does that, he just bursts into tears. He can't hold it back anymore. He bursts into tears because he doesn't want him to be an idiot like him. Yeah. And I just went, 
<laughs> oh god oh yeah a proper it gets you it got me i mean you know i i don't know whether it's just the era that it was made but somehow i've got this block about mm. forrest gump um i did as well yeah but it's it's unblocked you what one thing it i got a bit slightly depressed about was because it was early 90s and it was clearly made in this very optimistic time yeah in world history but also yeah. american history especially felt apparent to me in that it was a film really about people getting on with one another yeah there's no you know forrest gump is completely colorblind mm. he, uh, in terms of kind of rate uh, you know race and what have you he's so open-hearted he's so inclusive and welcoming and it was clearly made in a different time yeah. a different time yeah yeah and I felt how sad that, you know, we didn't progress from that time. We went backwards. Well, it's, I mean, it's very interesting you say that because obviously I'm looking at that era in my uh, film and one of the, the, the key things about the end of the 80s was there was obviously the collapse of the Cold War. Nuclear threat had been reduced. Uh, we'd kind of got rid of the divisive politics of... Thatcher and Reagan, mm. albeit, you know, still uh, a sort of neoliberal kind of um, world government. But it was a sense of let's get rid of all the divisiveness and let's start to embrace each other. And of course, the rave scene was a great example of that. You know, fall of the Berlin, Berlin Wall, etc. Um, and um, you're right. In a way, I'm because I'm, I'm at the process with the edit of the film at the moment is I'm trying to put people in that world yeah. and doing it through a little bit of archive and also, you know, testimony, um, but also trying to do it in an abstract way, as in, can we all remember when mm. there was a time where we were at the end of something which felt kind of awful yeah. and we were released from that and now we are just so happy to be together? Mm -mm. And, I, and, I, and I was also trying to ponder whether this is this could relate to people now because we're sort of in the middle of something still awful and uh, you know okay well there's been an interesting result in America with sort of with um, with Trump but we're now no longer part of the European Union so again the European Union was with all its flaws was a sense of well I can go anywhere now yeah I can just get on a train and I can just end up at you know, the other side of this continent, and I can live there. I yeah. could get married to somebody there. I could just decide I'm going to be, you know, Italian now, or I'm going to mm. be whatever I want to be. Yeah. And it was this sense of, of borders collapsing, albeit with various issues. And now, weirdly, we're literally at the, what felt feels like the opposite of that, yeah. in that we're in this time of great polarity with race race issues and um nationalism and uh and we're literally a few weeks you know a week ago uh we were literally a plague island mm. with with a border that you couldn't get out of this yeah. country or into this country if you tried you can't we're like a leper colony we're we? a leper colony <laughs> and and it's like oh, okay it's not just a temporary thing but it was almost like a kind of an image of what the world is going to be like in some ways, as in, yes, okay, apparently Auntie uh, Santa Boris has, has got herself a deal and this is all going to make everything fine. But when it comes down to it, we've been separated from our nearest neighbours in some way. Yeah. 
and there's a sense of the, the world still very separated. So I'm just wondering if somehow the pandemic and the, the, um, the, the, the climate crisis that's going on, would that, is, this, is there going to be some end game at the end of that that will take us back to something akin to that early 90s mm. experience? I don't know. God, I hope so. I really hope so. And, and is in times of, of these sorts of crisis, you know, um, is it a good time to be creative? Is it a good time to be well, the DIY think, filmmaker? Well, I think we'll definitely get films that are very beautiful and creative and kind of uplifting and reflect that. But I don't think they're necessarily going to be reflecting positive elements of, mm. of our existence. But people kind of seem to want to escape more, don't they? So Yeah. It's just for even like thing I'm writing at the moment, the script Stutter that we're going to have a take a look at maybe making as a DIY film. It seems to be a lot about isolation mm. uh, and the character who is completely isolated. Firstly, because on a technical level, that'll be easier for us to make because yeah. we won't have access to lots of kit or actors places or places or, yeah. or what have you. But also because that kind of feels like it's the right thing to make right now because yeah. it's what we're experiencing. It's where we are. Mm. Um, you know, in many ways, the technology kind of isolate, isolates us for starters, but also politically, you know, we've literally just left Europe. Yeah, put a big wall up on Dover. Uh, yeah, and it just feels like we're so cut off now. And I've, I'm so used to growing up in this European community that you just feel so connected to everyone. Mm. Well, obviously, some, some people didn't in some way, you know. No. You are listening to DIY Cinema Cult. Uh, we got through that last drink quite quickly, Very didn't quick. we? Let's do it. So, um, so from here on in, it's it's all neat. And what's this one called? What's this? This is an Edinburgh gin distillery, raspberry liqueur. So, um, <laughs> here we go around the mulberry bush. I was just thinking maybe we should just turn this into kind of a gin podcast, 100%. <laughs> and it's just us. <laughs> On park benches drinking gin. Well, I mean, I, what I did I, on your recommendation, actually, I watched um, the Paul Whitehouse and um, oh, lovely. and Bob Mortimer goes fishing. Oh, isn't it just over brilliant. Christmas? Yeah, and and it, it, I'm reminded of our experience now. In some ways, we're sort of like doing a, a DIY cinema <laughs> version of Paul Whitehouse and Bob Mortimer. Uh, they get to go to quite nice exotic locations and catch fish and then, you know, mm. have a beer at the end of the day and then talk depressingly to Chris Rear, who looks like a homeless guy. Fucking hell, that Chris, that Chris Rear episode was un unreal. I mean, I it was staggering, wasn't it? I remember seeing, because I saw a clip of it, must have been maybe the, the promo for the show or maybe they had a little clip up front of what was going to happen. And I thought it was like a comedy character. I thought they no. brought in like a somebody from the Far Show or something, but it was Chris Rea. It was Chris Rea, yeah. Amazing. Chris Rea, emaciated, uh, apparently at the peak of his fame, 1994, according to the story on the film at least, um, the peak of his, uh, of his sort of pop stardom, you know, if you could call it that, Yeah. Um, in 1994, early 90s, like we were just talking about, he, uh, he got ill uh, in a variety of different ways. Yeah. And it was um, progressively worse and worse, and he thought he was going to go. He nearly caught, he nearly, he know, nearly it, didn't he? He nearly, he nearly kicked the bucket. It was just a, lit a litany of different sorts of terrible things happening to him. And then he gave all of, so, you know, in anticipation of him kicking the bucket, he gave all of his... Um, 
his uh, uh, financial kind of rights to his ex-wife at the time. Yeah. And then he survived. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And now she owns every, she owns everything, and he's. I really his love her. It's me again. Uh, do you mind give me some of that think, stuff back, please? I think please? I'm alright, actually. I think I'm gonna survive. I felt a bit bad there for a minute, but you know what? I, I feel grand piggy. now. <laughs> Can I have all that cash back, please? <laughs> He gave all of his um, publishing rights and everything to his tunes. No. This is, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I did think oh, when I was watching, God. I was thinking maybe this, um, well, maybe it was an unconscious inspiration for, for, the, for our podcast today, which yeah. is, uh, although there's not much fishing, there's quite a lot of no, gin drinking. but it's a lovely programme, isn't it? I really do uh, love watching it. It, it. it is lovely, and there's definitely a deep sense of melancholy. There's definitely a sense of... Um, people looking back at their life in yeah. some sort of existential way. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's got a feel-good touch to it because they're yeah. both nice guys. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, funny... Um, funny characters. Yeah, and... you know, Bob Mortimer sort of, like, doesn't stop being kind of his silly, kind of childlike self. Um, <laughs> and and uh, Paul Whitehouse <laughs> is sort of almost being dragged along. Yeah, he's a bit grumpier. He kind of... Yeah, a bit grumpier. Bit... Yeah. That Devi was like, I don't like that poor White House. He's always having a go at, and I think he kind of plays up to that character of like the yeah. grumpy friend, and Bob Mortimer just annoys him. Yeah, yeah. Because you can tell there's like they love each other very, very much, really. But yeah. um, uh, it's just a lovely. I think it's a brilliant show. And uh, did someone tell me that the story goes that um, the, where the the idea came from was that Bob Mortimer was actually very, very depressed, and Paul Whitehouse kind of really brought him out of it by taking him fishing. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think Bob Mortimer had quite a serious heart episode and needed to go for some pretty heavy surgery. Mm. And then following the surgery, he was quite obviously down in dumps and nervous, but didn't like his new life, all the new things he couldn't eat and had to eat and couldn't drink and such and such. And Paul Whitehouse had had a heart attack or, heart, or had major heart surgery a couple of years before. So he kind of dragged him out of it and he said, look, I'll come, come with me, I'll take you fishing, I'll teach you some bits and pieces. And then it just became a TV show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, I, and I did think there was something... Um, oh, this is nice, this one. This is very nice. Very sweet, though. It's this very... is the raspberry. They're getting sweeter and sweeter. Yeah. So, uh, well, as they get neater and neater, they kind of need to be sweeter and sweeter. Oh, wow. Uh, we'll, have, we'll, have, we'll have teeth like old Shane McGowan by the end of this. Yeah, yeah, little pegs. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm feeling particularly weird because there's someone over there doing a workout. I know. Yeah, look at that. As God, we get ourselves steadily I've seen quite a few people pissed. jogging and doing workouts, and I just cannot think of anything worse right now. Yeah. About because I used to be running quite a lot before Christmas. I, I don't think I can manage it for quite a while. Another couple of weeks off, maybe. Not in the perineum. Not in the frosty. Not perineum. in the perineum. No. <laughs> <laughs> with the with the. With the Paul, out, Paul Whitehouse one, what I quite liked about it was that, in a way, it was the low-budget version of uh, Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan's yeah. The Trip. Yeah, yeah. And now we are the very, very <laughs> DIY version of both of them. <laughs> the low version. Yeah. We're, the, we're the lowest of the low-end version <laughs> of the both of them. Yeah. But thankfully, we're not <laughs> quite as old, so we we uh, we still we've got, got time. A couple, we've got a couple of years on them. We, we can. If anyone makes a low a low lower budget version of this, 
I'd be excited to see that. I would be excited to see it too. And I'm maybe a little bit depressed for the people making it. What would be a lower budget version of our podcast experience today? It might be, you know, it might be kind of a drunk lying a bit further over in those gravestones just talking into his iPhone. That's basically us in about an hour, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On his own, on his own. On his own, on yeah, his yeah, own. yeah, Okay, yeah, so it's basically not, just me. Or maybe not recording himself, just kind of chatting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, but we, you know, because we've got the gadgets here, I've got my nice new radio mic, and you've got your Zoom yeah. recorder, and, you know, got a sort of nice, nice microphone. Yeah, we're sort of, we're at least semi-pro, aren't we? Semi-pro, we're getting there, aren't we? Prosumer. Prosumer, yeah. Prosumer, just that step below semi-pro. Um... Something that's still a bit cheap is going to fall apart <laughs> fairly quickly, but you know, you can get half decent quality out of it. Yeah, <laughs> you are listening to DIY Cinema Cult. So, what do you reckon in a year's time? Because I've got a depressing feeling that we joked. Uh, at the very start of the podcast saying where are we going to be in a year's time and I said oh we're going to be slip, sipping cocktails around the pool yeah. in Cannes or something yeah, bullshit yeah. like that yeah, yeah. Um, that hasn't happened uh, spoiler alert no. um, but what do we reckon in a year's time this time next year well I guess I suppose I'm hoping for a spring uh some sort of awakening of mm. of energy generally in that you know you hope that the worst of the pandemic is behind us there mm. there's vaccines and all the rest of it coming out um it'll be spring mm. and restrictions you hope will be be much much less yeah and there'll be maybe a little sense of a mini optimism a sort of uh let's get we've got to get out of this fog this kind of uh well, lack of contact with other people. Yeah. And maybe what this will do is provoke a certain degree of optimism, maybe for kind of makers, you know, as in yeah, yeah. now we can go off and do stuff, but it could, let's just go, you know, life's too short, let's go and make. Mm. So I'm hoping that this year we're in production if, yeah. if of a, in a substantial way on a feature. Mm. Um, and that by the end of this year, maybe we've finished the shoot. Yeah. And uh, at the, the very least, we've got something in the can mm-hmm. and we're ready to go into post. And that's always a nice feeling of like, we know it's in there. Yeah. We've got to coax it out. So it, I would feel like we'd really done something if we could shoot this year and at the end of next year, at the end of, the, by this time next year, it's in the can. Yeah. It'd be pretty awesome. And we can start start on the edit, start noodling with the yeah. the pictures. I think that would be good. I think that sounds like a good place to be. Um, we've got one more minute to go. Yeah, let's do that and then we'll... Now this one and might then... not be as tasty as the others. Right. But let's see what it is. So we've got... Thanks for bringing your, one of your Christmas presents along and well, sharing it. In a way, I'm thinking it's better that it's done during the frosty perineum than lingering into the new year because yeah you know if you if there's any sense of like okay i need to start sort of um getting a bit fitter and healthier yeah it's after, exactly it's after the frosty perineum isn't it exactly. so so this is 
and no fucking about um, Violet Gin by JJ Whiteley. Okay. Um, neat. Let's, this let's may have a be go. an interesting ride. Let's hope for a reverie. Do you think it's going to taste like those violet sweets? What were they called? What were they? Pa Palmer violets. Isn't that what they were called, those little sweeties when you were kids? Palmer violets? Mm. Sounds like a, a character in Coronation Street. <laughs> um, I can't remember Palmer violets. I'm going, to, I'm going to fat check that. I might have been talking absolutely. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. yeah. Were they sort of a little bit like Dandelion and Burdock or something? Yeah, and they were like, remember they, they used to come in a little tube of, uh, all wrapped up in a kind of together in a tube shape and they were you know violet in colour oh oh no i've spilled a bit of oh, my gin oh shit Here oh go, this one. Oh, what a, how depressing there you go hopefully that's in an hour's time it will be me next to the uh <laughs> <laughs> next to that headstone over there <laughs> With just talking, just into, talking your into my iPhone, what is the one lower? Uh, well, so where do you think we should head out of here? Go to uh, up in that direction, or yeah, yeah, we can we could head that sort of way. Um, just thinking, although you're in you're that way, aren't no, you? No, I'm kind of that way. How are you? Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm kind of that way. You're you're kind of that way. Oh, am I okay? I've lost my bearings already. <laughs> I'm never getting out of this graveyard. <laughs> so it's going to this be you. Square when I live it's now. going to be you behind the uh, gravestone. It's not going to be me at all. Another mince pie? I'm all right, actually. Thank what? You. Oh, wow, that's really violet-y. That Is it really violet-y? It. Mm. It's a bit violet. Let's have a look. Ultraviolet. Woo! There you go. I say, that's quite um, pokey, that. Yeah. I didn't expect that. It's, yeah, because yeah. those it palm, like your nan's, palm your nan's soap. Yeah, exactly. This is it. It's quite like those sweets I was talking about. They, yeah. they, they used to be quite perfumey, which I think this is what you would call that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the other ones, you'd probably have a couple of those, but mm. uh, that is, um, you know, one or, one or two sips is probably enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although it's quite, it's quite strong. 38.6%. <laughs> down the hatch. Anyway, well, cheers. Anyway, cheers. Thank cheers. you, mate, for bringing those. Yeah. Happy frosty mm. perineum. Mm. Happy frosty perineum. Oh! That is serious business. That really is serious business. Oh! Oh. Well, Aaron, it's been lovely having a little frosty walk with you. Yeah, it's been good having a stroll through the frosty perineum, isn't it? Yeah. And we've ended quite aptly, like we all will eventually. In a graveyard. In a graveyard, yeah. Um, you gonna get? You gonna get buried? Are you gonna get um, cremated? I've always thought cremation. I just want to finish on a positive note, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Let's have a happy ending. Um, I've always thought cremation. Yeah, def I think cremation too. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't, you know, you don't want to be another kind of something clogging up a load of land. It just takes so much space up. I mean, look at look at that in front of us. It's a kind of broken mausoleum with like weeds growing out of it. And it's like, why? That's just a lot. I mean, first of all, that's a lot of real estate. It's a lot of real estate, yeah. And there's no, there's kind of no need for it. No. You're, Although, ca you're kind of just cluttering up the place, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, there's something nice about sitting in a graveyard drinking gin, but mm. so in that sense, as, as a place, it's quite nice, but yeah. 
the specific purpose of being, you know, a, a memorial, I'm not so sure about really. Yeah. You would hope that in some way, that rather than a stone, gravestone, that your life becomes your memorial in some yeah, way. Absolutely. So that your work, your the relationships that you've had, the things that you have given, you've done in the world become uh, uh, the memorial. And, uh, you know, nobody thinks about, let's go and have a look at David Bowie's grave. Yeah. You just listen to his tunes or you watch Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, God, does that mean they're going to listen to this podcast when we die and go, oh, listen to that them drinking that marmalade gin in the graveyard? <laughs> That wasn't that good. This is our gravestone. <laughs> but I think there's something quite elemental about being cremated. You're kind of back into the elements. You're in, back into the ether again. Whereas being stuck in the ground under a stone that has your name written on it, just it's a bit basic, isn't it? You're waiting for the worms, aren't you? Really waiting for the worms. It's whereas... not very enlightened. You kind no. of want, you kind of want to be back in the mix yeah, again. Yeah, you know, I've, I have always thought that I wouldn't mind if someone made a dedicated little bench like this to yeah. me somewhere on Hampstead Heath or, yeah. you know, because uh, sometimes you sit on a bench like this when you're having, doing a podcast and you see a little it says like note that. and it says, you know, to... Uh, Mavis used to love sitting here. Yeah, used to love this view. Uh, used to drink gin. Yeah. Uh, raspberry gin. Uh, during the frosty perineum, and uh, and something about that feels kind of a bit more profound, really. So yeah, yeah. I, I think torch me, spread the ashes somewhere interesting, you know, yeah. and then a little bench or a tree or something that you yeah. can plant in I my agree. name. I'd be fine with that. I agree. Anyway, well, I'm, I'll see I'm... you in the ether. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com follow us follow us follow us